How long until the Cincinnati Bearcats are contenders in the Big 12? You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much, freaking Locked On Bearcats, your first listen every day. It is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts, including if you watch us on YouTube. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us to get an alert every time that we drop a new episode. You may see on the right side of your screen if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening, I'll introduce. There he is. He just waved to the uh, the audience. Today's guest is um, someone who was, yes, my first boss, but someone that I'm proud to call a mentor of the many Cincinnati sportscasters past and present who I am privileged to call mentors, and he just retired as the sports director of the of WLWT News 5 in Cincinnati, and that, of course, is a, and a fellow UC alum, might I add, and that, of course, is one George Vogel, the gnarly baritone voice of George Vogel that would come into your homes covering the Bearcats, Bengals, Reds, you name it all. And you recently told me, George, that retirement is weird. Are, yeah. are you coping with it well? Like, how are you handling it? I think so. I think I'm coping better now than I was back in April, which was the first month I was retired. It's great to see you, Alex. Always a good time to talk with you. Um, but yeah, April was very weird. May was a little less weird. June, it's still a little strange, and I'm getting used to it all. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to get the mind clear, and then I'll figure out what I do next. Um, and what I do next may be what I'm doing now, and that's a whole lot of nothing. You know, playing with grandkids, hoping to golf soon when I get all my health back from a surgery. Um, but uh, things are going well. Things are going very well. I, for somehow, some way, staying very busy. That's great. And here's the other thing, too. George, you, retirement's weird. Have you gotten used to the Bearcats being in the Big 12? No. I mean, we knew it was coming and all that. and But it's still, it's very strange when you look at that football schedule and see those teams coming in the Nippert Stadium led by Oklahoma in September. And, you know, you got Baylor coming in. and and some of those other teams that uh, makes it a lot more exciting uh, teams that do have a, a national brand and certainly UC deserves it because uh, they, they performed very well in the big East. It was a shame what happened to them there. There's certainly something wrong with college sports when someone who punches above their weight, the way UC did and then showed they belonged, and then they kind of get relegated back to the American athletic conference. But they, they kept doing what they uh, needed to do. The administration stayed strong. Uh, you know, give credit to Luke Fickle, give credit to Mick Cronin, give credit to the coaches there now. Um, they, they've done all the things to show the Big 12 that they belong. And certainly with that run to the college football playoff, that, that's still That's when people are like, look, that is a, a major conference team. Uh, that's a power five team. They need to be in a Power 5 conference. I've always said, and maybe you and I have talked about this, I've always said that Cincinnati 
is not a mid-major school, both basketball, mainly in basketball, more so in football recently. And now, as you mentioned, all that they did in their 10 seasons in the American, going to the college football playoff as a group of five team, and then as, as a basketball program, going to nine straight NCAA tournaments, being a top five team in 2018 and getting that two seed. So there's just been a lot that's been accomplished over the last 10 years. And finally, the Power Five saw it. I think another guy you got to give credit to, George, and I I mentioned this when I went to the Big 12 tour up here in Columbus, and that's John Cunningham. He came, yeah. in, he came in in December of 2020. This is when I was still interning with you at Channel 5. He came in in December of 2019, and my biggest concern was, well, Mike Bone just left, and he had a lot of great visions, and a lot of great things happened under him. Could John Cunningham keep the athletic department afloat? Would Luke Fickle get a contract extension? And he's John Cunningham has taken the Bearcats to the Big 12. Yeah, sharp guy. Very sharp guy. Very impressive when you talk to him, when you interview him. Uh, very prepared. Um, certainly did a lot of things that people didn't see that, that got them in that position. And a lot of things are already there. And, and you talk about athletic directors to give credit. And yes, give Cunningham uh, a lot of credit. Go back to Bob Goyne when he had that vision for Varsity Village and knew what it took to get UC in a better conference and a conference for football. And he, he started that Varsity Village project and just kept trying to bring things up because, yes, UC is not a mid-major school, but back in the 90s before Bob Goyne, a lot of their sports were funded like mid-major teams, if not below. And Bob Goyne started getting things going in the right direction. Of course, another Bob got the school a lot of attention, Bob Huggins with the basketball program. But Bob Goyne came in and knew football would drive that whole bus to get to a Power Five conference, to get to a better conference. And, and that's where the big television money is. And he led them on that path. And, you know, everybody else kind of helped pull the weight. There were a couple blips on the radar screen, and, and we know who those are, but uh, a lot of people – did a lot of good things that you see to get them in this position. And when you go back to where I saw them in the eighties and the, in the early nineties, I mean, there was a time we didn't know if this football program was going to survive and give credit to Rick Menner for what he did. I mean, he kept the thing afloat and uh, you know, going came in, decided he needed to go in another direction with D'Antonio. And there's another guy you can give a lot of credit to because he built that first really good football team that Brian Kelly had in 2008-9. Absolutely. So how long do you think it's going to take the Bearcats to become a true contender in the Big 12? In this day and age with transfer portal and all that, I don't think it'll take long. Uh, it's going to depend a lot on, you know, this NIL thing is changing everything. UC seems to be pretty well positioned there and, and seems to be hitting the ground running there. Um, I don't think it's going to take very long. Do I think they're going to do it this year? No, but, um, you know, I think I saw their total for the season's four and a half wins or something. I'm taking the over on that. I we just don't know with this coaching staff and everything yet, but, uh, you know, I have a little bit of faith in them that they can find a way to squeak out some wins that maybe weren't expected. Um, it's going to be real interesting. A lot obviously depends on the quarterback position and, 
and how Emory Jones does. But I, I think they're going to get up and running both football and basketball sooner than maybe some people think and be competitive in that conference. Well, I look at what Weston Miller's doing and the rebuild that he's undergone the last two seasons. And it's been a gradual just getting back to relevancy. And then you look at what he's done in the transfer portal. You mentioned the transfer portal for football. What Wes Miller's done in that, George, this offseason has been nothing short of spectacular. So there's expectations now that that team could find themselves playing for an NCAA tournament berth come March. We'll continue the conversation about the Bearcats becoming contenders in the Big 12. Plus, George has been around a long time. He's been, I mean, he was, heck, he was at WWT for 40-plus years. He's got a lot of memorable games and moments he covered. We'll talk about which ones he remembers the most. All that next on Locked On Bearcats. Today's episode of Locked On Bearcats is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. You know, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs can help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I have a lot of experience with LinkedIn Jobs. I used it when I was a sports director at Bearcast Media. All you have to do is create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Coming up on tomorrow's show for the everyday listener. We value the everyday listener on this show. The ones who make us their first listen every day. Never miss an episode. Neil Meyer of the Front Office News back with me tomorrow. And this is big because Neil is potentially, and there's nothing sure yet. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, working on maybe getting Neil as a co-host of Lockdown Bearcats. So that would be a huge addition to this show. George Vogel, retired sports director from WLWT News 5 Cincinnati, my guest today on Lockdown Bearcats. You know, George, it's interesting, and, and you and I have talked about this before, and you mentioned Bob Goyne. I, I'm just going to go back to that point you made in that last segment. So the Bearcats football program, I forget what exact year it was, maybe 1990, maybe 1991, they lose to Penn State 81 to nothing. Fast forward two decades later, they're playing in the Orange Bowl against Virginia Tech. And then I I think about what Rick Minner did, what Mark D'Antonio did. The Bearcats in the last 26 seasons have been in 19 bowl games. If they go to one this year, it's 20 out of 27. And this would be the first time, George, in program history that they make six consecutive bowl games. So from where they were in the 90s to where they are now, and with all the resources that they have now, to your point, I don't see them wasting much time getting acclimated in the Big 12. And that's why I've said 7-5 and five or even 8-4 and four sounds attainable. Yeah, I, I, again, a lot of that's going to depend on that quarterback position and, and how Emory Jones does. And, and you know, if he doesn't uh, show up, then, you know, 
They've got some inexperienced guys there, but guys with talent. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I just think this season is going to be fascinating with this whole coaching change and a lot of changes on that offense, some on the defense as well. Um, but I, I, it's, I don't know what they have. It's like one of the first times in several years now that you look at the beginning of football season, it's like, I, I don't know. They could be very, yeah. they could be very good. They could be very bad. It's going to be fun to watch that unfold, but um, I, I'm with you. I think they're going to get acclimated to that Big 12 in a hurry. Uh, I think uh, they've done a really good job, you know, stocking the cabinets with players this year and working the portal. And, uh, boy, you, you talk about the, those bowl games and the streak of bowl games. I mean, back in the early 90s, that was a pipe dream. You, there, there was no way that you would have thought. Now, I always thought if they could put that fence – around greater Cincinnati, like uh, Luke Fickle talked about, and really get get some recruits in the local area and get them all to University of Cincinnati. I always thought it was it was a, a giant waiting to be awakened. I mean, it, it was a sleeping giant, that program, if you could take advantage of this recruiting base. And obviously, Mark D'Antonio did. You know, Kelly did to a degree, and Butch. And, and then, you know, Fick took it to another level. And it's worked. I mean, it, it was there. And I going to that first bowl game, the humanitarian bowl back in the 90s, which was their first bowl game in forever. And Bob Goyne had a lot to do with that. And one of the things he did is he sold uh, <laughs> Bob Huggins thought he sold him down the river a little bit. He promised Boise. So they're going to the humanitarian bowl. And, and they had the credentials to do it. But back then, you still kind of had to, you know, maneuver your way into those lesser bowl games. And Bob Goyne said, hey, told the good people of Boise, we'll bring our top-ranked college basketball team out there for a game in a year or two if, you know, you give us this bowl game uh, out in Boise. So they took the bait. They did it. And Bob wasn't real happy about having to go play one game out in the middle of Idaho with his team. But, but it was great for the university, and it paid off in spades. Look where they are. Right I, it, it truly is amazing when you look at it that way. If you remember the 90s, if you remember how how few fans there were in Nippert Stadium, and I, I've been told um, I've been told that you had to, at times buy football tickets just to go to the basketball games. Yep. And yep. I look at where this program is now and I, it's it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's for an old timer like me, it, it is something that you just didn't, you know, like I said, you knew that there was a foundation around here if you could get your arms around it. So but I didn't think it was ever going to happen into that degree. And really, for a guy like me to walk into Nipper on a game day now and see it filled up is just something I don't take for granted. I mean, I yeah. saw. I mean, there were times. I'm I'm not kidding, Alex. When 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 I was going there and going to games, even in the early '80s, you could sneak a beer keg in there. Wow. I mean, there was just like you could do whatever you wanted during a game there. And not a beer can, but a beer keg. Walk in and sit wherever you wanted. And I mean, we we had back in the day when I was a student. You know, you just had this card that said you were a student. That's what got you in the games. Student section was really never filled. You sat wherever you wanted. It was a hole. 
different experience. Now, we had a lot of fun at the games, but, it, I mean, it was – you're talking about crowds of 10,000 if they were lucky. High school games on Friday night. Moeller would have high school games there on Friday nights, and they would have more fans at those games if it was a big game in town, high school football game. They would have more fans on a Friday night than UC would have for their games on a Saturday afternoon. That's it's embarrassing. And uh, to see where it is, I'll never, ever take a full Nippert Stadium for granted after seeing yeah. all that all that time. So it's phenomenal. That's that's a very good perspective, George, because for those of us of my generation, you know, I'm 24. Most of my life, the Bearcats have been at least a bull caliber team. Yeah. But you remember the dark days. You remember when no one went to the games. So it's interesting for, for you and I think one of our, our, our um, um, one of your former coworkers, one of mine as well, Mark Slaughter from WWT, he remembers those times. He's a UC graduate. Right. I think you ask any other Bearcat graduate that no one went to the games. So uh, you and I were both at, excuse me, Satterfield's press conference. Yeah when he was introduced back in December. Yep. Has your outlook on him changed since then? Now that we are, what is, um, so today, 38 days away from kickoff, Wednesday, July 26th. I mean, just, I mean, man, we're already doing a lot, but I will say this, this, this is what I didn't know. Uh, and we'll see how it plays out. But he was very aggressive in the portal. I mean, like mega aggressive. Um, and not that I expected him to just let things happen. But, man, you know, he, he comes across when you interview him, somewhat mild-mannered and all that. But there's a fire in there, a competitive fire. And, uh, you know, it, it just he, – he took off running. And they didn't have a lot of time to get their act together and get stuff going for signing day and, and in the portal and all that. And they have, they have been very aggressive and I respect that. And that, that gives me hope. I know, you know, year one in Louisville, he, he looked like a, a, an all-star hire for the Cardinals. Then things didn't go so well, but you know, let's face it. Louisville has been a little bit and their baseball programs flourish, but they've been a little dysfunctional at a lot of levels down there over the last several years. And I know when, when Satterfield got there, I think there was a, a, a bit of a locker room issue with that football program that, that they tried to clean up and, and fix. Um, not to make excuses, you still got to win. And he was probably starting to get to the point where he was on some shaky ground there. And, of course, they were happy he came here when they were able to hire their hometown guy, Jeff Brom. So, um, but, but he surprised me in that regard where – he was really aggressive in getting the players in and not waiting to build something. He saw a path where he could build something right away. And uh, that aggressiveness kind of surprised me a little bit, but it's a welcome aggressiveness. I mean, the last staff was that way. You know, Fickle didn't sit around and wait on things to happen. He made things happen. And that's what you want out of a coach. I think you're absolutely right. And I've been surprised myself at the caliber of players they've been able to land mm-hmm. and in the transfer portal. And the other thing, too, is, and I think you've heard this a lot at Big 12 Media Days recently, when Scott Satterfield and players talked about culture, they talked about um, they don't they don't 
pay attention to their 13th place projection in the Big 12. There's a culture in place. There's a foundation in place. There's this idea that they think they're going to surprise a lot of people that I really like. So Scott Satterfield's a part of um, a, a trend that I've been seeing in Cincinnati sports. And George, I'm going to ask you if you think he can continue that. Plus, your memorable Bearcats games and moments that you've experienced will continue all that and get to that next on Lockdown Bearcats. George Vogel, retired sports director, WLWT News 5, joining me today. I mean, he's got about as many experiences as you can name. He was around for 40-plus years at Channel 5, three Bengals, Super Bowls, Bearcats playoff appearance in 2021, numerous NCAA tournaments, so much that he has been around so I, George, I was thinking about this recently. You think about Cincinnati sports of 10 to 15 years ago, Marvin Lewis, Brian Kelly, Mick Cronin, and there were some very good teams, but now you've got Zach Taylor, Bengals have been to a Super Bowl AFC championship game, Luke Fickle took the Bearcats to a college football playoff, Wes Miller you feel like is going to reach tremendous heights with the men's basketball program, Scott Satterfield. Can he continue that trend of taking a Cincinnati sports team program from good to great? That's a tough question to answer, and we're going to get a lot of answers coming up this fall, I think, when we see how he molds and shapes this team. And, and I, I, you know, his pedigree is good. He knows how to build a program. He was part of one at Appalachian State, followed a legend down there who – had some of the biggest wins in program history and, and made that place, you know, a, a one double A football Mecca. And then Satterfield had to follow that guy. And then also had to help transition them to uh division one, a, um, the football bowl division. And so he did all of that and he did it successfully. So I, I think his pedigree is there. Um, and you're right. Cincinnati's pretty well blessed. Uh, in in coaches right now, when you when you look at the two people UC has, uh, you know FC Cincinnati, Pat Noonan's got it going there, and, and certainly the GM, the new GM there, has a lot to do with that. Um, it, it's interesting times and great times in Cincinnati sports, and I suspect, given what I've seen this offseason, we touched on it briefly the 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 portal success Wes Miller had, that he's going to see some success here too. I have no doubt. I mean, I look at what he's done in the last two seasons. You get guys like Landers Nolly. You get guys this year like C.J. Frederick and Seamus Lukosius and Aziz Vandego. I mean, this is – he's starting to get this program back to playing the way that they played under Mick Cronin and Bob Huggins when they were NCAA tournament teams. And I also look at the talent that is being carried over from last year. Dan Skillings Jr., Victor Lockett. There is a lot of pieces that if they can fit – I really feel like, and the margin for error is so much greater in the Big 12. George, you could drop a game to Kansas in the conference opener, and the season's far from over. Right. Because you're going you're gonna to get plenty of more opportunities. Yeah, it reminds me of the old Big East when you see, you know, you, you, you would come out of that slog with a 500 record. You were an NCAA caliber yeah. And I feel, and if I remember correctly, that was the case in 2011, and I think 2013 they were around a 500 team in conference play, but the quality of play, but the quality of the conference was so, we know was so great that they were going to be fine come March. 
Yeah, and I remember the energy in Fifth Third Arena back then, too, when, you know, they really, really struggled in the early years. But God bless Mick. He found a way to steal some games in that Big East in his early days. But, you know, top-ranked teams coming in to your arena, and there would be a buzz. No matter how good or bad UC was at the time, there was at least a buzz that, hey, something special could happen tonight, something cool is happening and that was happening all the time in the Big East. There were ranked teams coming in one after another. And now with the Big 12, it's going to be a similar scenario. I mean, right now, by all the metrics, that's the top conference in college basketball. No question about it. I mean, you look at what, what you look at how it was last year with all the ranked teams you had and the quality of depth. I mean, you had teams, George, you had teams playing on the Wednesday of the Big 12 tournament, which is the 7, 10, 8, 9 matchups. And there were teams playing for their NCAA tournament lives that night. Yeah. Like, that's how great the Big 12 is. And especially being that you get to go to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament as opposed to uh, the, the suburbs, the, the the Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, Fort Worth, Dickies Arena. Yeah. Well, George, <laughs> George, you know, you know, we like our Kansas City barbecue. Oh, yeah. I know, I know you've been to Kansas City a few times recently. Yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, you you were around for a long time. You 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 went to a, you covered a lot of games and moments. Does one with the Bearcats, with the Bengals, with the Reds, do any stand out to you? Well, I can tell you, yeah, a lot of them do. I mean, there's so many, so many great ones. And if if you talk about UC basketball, let's start with Kansas City. That's where they were when they punched their ticket to the Final Four yeah. in 1992 by beating Penny Hardaway in Memphis for a fourth time that season, um, which you're thinking, oh, my God, can they possibly? I mean, it's, you know, the whole old adage, it's tough to beat a team three times in the same season. Well, this was going to be a fourth time, and they pulled it off, and they it was never in question. You know, Herb Jones did his magic on Penny Hardaway, and the rest was history. Uh, that was a special team. That, that, well, that was one where you're just like, always smokes. They're going to a Final Four. It was just amazing. UC football, obviously the Houston game, to lock up that playoff spot yeah. just a couple years ago. To me, that was the most magic. That that was one of the most magical moments that uh, I've seen in Cincinnati sports to happen. Were you there here in town? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I went down on the field and everything. Really? Okay. Some old timers might remember in nineteen. I want to say ninety nine. When they beat uh, Wisconsin? UC beating Wisconsin, who was uh, a top 10 team at the time, at Nippert, and down came the goalposts after the game. I mean, they actually tore the goalposts down. That was an amazing moment, too. Uh, Reds, Bengals. Reds, I always go back to that. Uh, now, obviously, the Jay Bruce game was something else. Yep. Honestly, every game these days that Ellie De La Cruz and those rookies are in seems to be special. But I always go back to them winning that World Series in 1990. They were on the road in Oakland. Poor old George got left in Cincinnati because I'd gone to the play. I'd, I traveled enough that year. I, I'm not complaining. But I'm thinking, everybody's thinking, okay, they're not going to sweep them. Chances are they'll get back to Cincinnati and play a game. Well, they swept them four games. So little did I know. You walk out, we were located downtown then. We walk out that night, and Cincinnati is one big party downtown. From 7th Street down to Fountain Square and beyond was just parked cars. 
I, it was unreal. It was like the end of World War II where everyone was kissing each other. It wow. was crazy. Um, it, it was one of the greatest nights I've ever seen in this city, and it, it, it was magical. It was something else. Um, the Bengals, my goodness, um, that first playoff win since, yeah. you know, 90-whatever it was. I was there. Uh, yeah, the the against the Raiders. That was incredible. That, that was one where I think people were crying in the stands because it had been 30 years since they had won a playoff game. Think about that. Three decades. That's over half your career. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, when I started, you know, the Bengals go to a Super Bowl, Reds win a World Series, UC goes to the Final Four, and then then it was a drought. You know, it was, it was the Mojave Desert for me. Uh, not complaining. We had a lot of fun, a lot of good teams. But as far as our teams, you know, it, it locally going to championship moments, it just wasn't happening. Um, so there's been a lot of good ones, though. And tell you what, you, you think about it, and 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 they talk about like you'll you'll hear players talk about. Well, sometimes I don't remember all the high moments, but I remember the bad ones. I can remember a lot of bad ones too. Yeah. Yeah, there was right. a Nashville not too long ago that was really painful for the UC basketball program. Oh, yeah, I was there. The program. Yeah, I know oh, we're right for Cincinnati. That's as bad as one yeah. I've seen in an opposing city or, or a city that's not Cincinnati where both were more than one team's play. I don't know that that's ever happened where two teams from the same, you know, from the same city are in another city and have such heartbreaking losses. As what you see yeah. that, that night, it was quite yeah. I know we're um, I know we're getting close to that thirty minute mark. We try to keep our shows around. We're gonna try and keep. We're trying to do this because we need to do this. And uh, I credit our channel manager Zach Blackerby for uh, really preaching thirty minutes or less. But um, I, I just want to ask you, George, because it's not often that George Vogel's on this show. So, do you think that we are in the greatest era of Cincinnati sports right now with the Bengals, the Bearcats, and the Big Twelve, the Reds all of a sudden in a renaissance? Is this the greatest era of Cincinnati sports that you've seen and maybe we've ever seen? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, when, when you look at the whole picture and you throw it Cincinnati in, too. in that kettle and the season they're having, um, yeah, I mean, the big red machine was great. There was a period in the late 80s where the Reds, they finished second a lot. The Bengals were good. That period right around the 90, 1990 season was great. But overall, the whole picture – I think you're right. This is it. Yeah. And uh, you get to enjoy it all without having to touch a camera or put it in IFB or stand in front of a camera or write a script or whatever. So uh, yeah, I just it, get to hold an adult beverage. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Well, listening to George Thorgood. All right. Exactly. George, I saw him last week in Dayton. How about that? I didn't know yeah. he was in Dayton. If I had known, I would have gone. Getting done. All right, we, we went a little bit long, but that's okay. George Vogel from the retired sports director from WLWT News 5. I, again, not only my first boss, but someone I'm proud to call a mentor, along with many other sportscasters in Cincinnati, past and present. Um, glad you're doing well in retirement. Hope to see you at Nippert Stadium, Paycor Stadium, Great American Ballpark, TQL Stadium for uh, Fifth Third Arena for Bearcats, Bengals, Reds, FC, FC Cincinnati games. Um, I'm on Twitter, Frankie underscore Natty. Jordan's on Twitter at Vogel underscore WLWT. 
I'm on Instagram, Alex Franklin, underscore email, alex3frank at gmail.com. Coming up on tomorrow's show, once again, Neil Meyer of the front office news recapping the Bearcats TBT performance against the program for autism. That game was on Monday. We'll talk to Neil tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats, which is part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every single day. George, I can't thank you enough. I, I wish you all the best, your family, your grandkids, um, thank you, everything, Ryan. and uh, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Great to see you. Best of you and your family, and I hope I didn't get you in trouble for talking too long. Uh, I'll. It's George Vogel. We didn't go that long. So. <laughs> sure. All right, my man. We try to keep you on 30 minutes or less, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow we'll right here on Lockdown Bearcats.